Well, hello there, friends. Uh, So, I've got an interesting podcast for you today, and I'm just really kind of freestyling here. Um, I was just... it. I've been having some conversations lately and listening to a few things and all of a sudden, boom, something came to my mind and I wanted to share it here because I think it's really, really, really important and timely and it's kind of merging all of these conversations and ideas that have been floating around lately. So this might be a little sensational for some people. But I believe that the people who listen to this podcast are kind of already in the know about these things. Now, I listen to a lot of homesteading podcasts mostly because I just, I think it's great vibes. I think it's focusing on the right things. And many of these homesteading people, they seem to know that something is afoot, but they never want to say that anything really crazy is going on. Um, But I know better, and so do many of you, because we've read the UN Agenda 2030. We know about Event 201 and the food chain reaction simulation that was basically the exact same thing as Event 201, but on the food scale. And we've seen the problem reaction solution order out of chaos type of... um, play that these elites make all of the time and so if you they they aren't the world economic forum none of them they're they're saying hey food prices are going to get so high it's going to be insane you know this that and the other thing energy crisis um they've, they've threatened so many things and basically the idea is that they'll be the answer for us right well, let us solve that problem for you. Let us make this really easy for you. You don't have to starve to death. You just basically sign your life away, sign on the dotted line, whatever that looks like, whether it's get this microchip, you know, implant that you buy and sell, sign up for the CBDC, you know, the centralized bank digital currency, or whatever it looks like is really where they're headed. And it's where all of the roads lead. I mean, it's it's looking just like that if you're paying attention to what's going on. So while to some, this might sound sensational, if you've been paying attention to these things, you're like, no, that's just what's happening. Like, yeah, it does sound sensational, but it's it's legitimately taking place right before our very eyes. And um, I was just having a conversation and I was saying, you know, I... I don't pay as much attention to all over the last couple of years. I've listened to a lot of podcasts that are, you know, intelligence based and where people are talking about what the elites are trying to do and what's going on. You know, there's even if you listen to like Blaze TV or Glenn Beck or Tucker Carlson, or if you listen to, geez, I don't know. um, I still listen to Mike Adams from time to time, but and and I really I value what all these people are doing, but I've come to this point where I'm like, I get I get it. <laughs> I know everything's messed up. I know there's a lot of angering issues out there. There's a lot of anger because some people I mean I just feel like what's the point in feeding that? Like I get it, I know what's coming. What I would rather focus on 
is solutions and what I can and need to do to make sure that I'm not negatively impacted by this. And I really believe that what I need to do is be growing my own food, be uh, getting my land ready for more livestock, um, to be creating community and inspiring others to do the same exact thing. Because if we don't need their answer because we're providing for ourselves and because we're in a community of like-minded people who say, I want to help you, you know, you help me, I help you. Maybe they have cows and cow milk. Maybe I've got eggs or goats and goat cheese. You know, maybe someone's got bees and honey. Maybe my husband, he's super handy. He can help build things. You know, we trade. We're a community. We help each other. We grow together and we make it so that we don't need them then we don't need their answer. We don't, what they want is violence, revolting. Look at the BLM riots in two years ago, you know, and it was just, it was insane. All those bricks that appeared out of nowhere, just perfectly in place. The fact that they endorsed the BLM riots, calling them mostly peaceful and let it continue while they burned cities to the ground. I mean, you think that they don't want violence, you're crazy because they do. They want chaos so they can bring order from the chaos and it, with their rules, of course, within their sp- specified guidelines. And um, w- the, the more hungry people get, the more desperate people become, the, you know, the more they're, they're losing, the money is deflating or inf- inflating deflating (laughs) the value is deflating there's inflation because the dollar is deflating you can't buy as much I was just in fries yesterday and I couldn't believe the empty shelves in the produce section I would say about 50% of the produce that's regularly there was there and um, maybe you could say oh they're probably in the middle of restocking but I didn't see anyone stocking anything And I heard other people commenting on empty shelves and making their own assertions as well. And uh, I I just kind of couldn't believe it. Like, I was like, I knew this was coming, but geez, I hadn't seen it like this. I mean, I, I kind of haven't been to the grocery store for a week at least. And so I, I don't know. I just didn't, I don't know. It took me by surprise and I was like, oh, it's really happening. Um, even though... You know, you're paying attention to what's going on around the world. And I hate to get off on a tangent. So, you know what? I'm not going to. <laughs> I'm just going to stay on track. Um, they want chaos. So, if there's food shortages and you become desperate and people become desperate, desperate enough, there's going to be revolts and uprisings and absolute insanity. Well, I don't want to be one of the people doing that because that's exactly what they want. They're trying, you know, that's what they want. If you're doing it, you're, you're, you're feeding into their exact playbook. Like, that's it. Cool. You followed suit. They got you. They got you to do exactly what they wanted you to do. You're just a pawn in their game. So rather than be the pawn in the game, what if we made sure that we did not need to worry about that? And, you know, (laughs) It's like we could give people food, you know, teach a man to fish or give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day, teach a man to fish and whatever, blah, blah. If we could all 
collectively be really, really getting serious and looking at what we need to become more, I want to say self-sufficient, but I also want to say community sufficient because we need each other. And especially when we're just starting out, right? I've recently watched um, little mini documentary type things and listened to um, some podcast episodes of some people that decided that they were going to only eat things that they hand harvested or that were hand harvested um, for an entire year. So they got rid of all of the food that they purchased from the store and, you know, they had chickens and they lived on the ocean so they'd harvest sea salt. They could fish like crazy. Um, They could get seaweed. They had a garden but so they didn't have any coffee for a whole year, you know, no, I mean, I don't know if they had alcohol, but they were talking about what they, how they make apple cider vinegar. And I can't remember what else they used for the oil for the dressing. I couldn't remember all of it. It was really, really, really cool. I loved it. I love the idea. I thought it sounded super fun, but they had already kind of an established land that a plot of land they had chickens already you know they they were right on the coast so they had that at their fingertips and they were kind of set up for success in a way because they were already somewhat established now there's a lot of people just now coming around to this idea of growing a garden and usually what that looks like for people is something small couple tomato plants maybe a couple pepper plants or whatever's easiest in your climate but that's certainly not going to feed you uh, for very long at all and so when we start small we really need each other and um, I just think it's really 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 important right now that we don't become pawns in their game we don't let ourselves get to desperate points but we set ourselves up for success And, you know, that way we don't really have to pay attention to all the negativity in the world because no matter what you're listening to right now, unless, I don't know, maybe there's some fairy tale la-la news out there that's just pretending that there's absolutely nothing wrong and they're just reporting like cute things like dogs and birds that hang out together. Um That there's, there's bad news and bad vibes. You know, I just saw, I'm part of some groups and Someone in the group posted something that was just maddening, right? It's like a, it's a tweet from someone else and it makes you angry. And I, nothing against that person. I've shared plenty of stuff like that, but I've recently come to this place where I, maybe I've had an epiphany or a realization, or I'm just going through different changes and stages or whatever. Um, but I feel like w- we have to ask ourselves, why am I posting this? Why am I sharing this? Is this because like I'm mad and I want someone else to feel mad like I am? It's like every person out there who feels angry or fearful right now is literally contributing an energy across that's spanning the planet. The fear and the anger is a vibration, is an energy. And we do not want to feed that energy. We want to feed positivity and light and love. And so the best way to do that is to A, not share things that are angering. Like someone had, it was something about, you know, someone saying people don't suffer under communism. Only garbage people suffer. Communism, like basically saying communism is amazing. And if you're claiming you suffered under communism, you're an idiot. And so it's like, why? First of all, that person is deluded. They have no idea 
what the real world is about and I feel sorry for them. They have no idea what they're saying, what they're doing, and it could potentially just be a bot. I mean, who knows if that's even a real person, but like that poor human, imagine being so deluded and dense and just like, it's, it's sad, but also it's angering to people who read it. Same with all this transgender stuff. Now, I'm not saying don't take a stand against these things, but does your stand have to mean that you consume all of this negativity and this negative energy all the time? No. It can simply be educating your family and your loved ones on the truth about these topics and then not exposing them to all of that, whether that means pulling your children out of school and homeschooling them or, you know, getting them involved in church and, you know, all the church groups or whatever that looks like. These are, there's two sides. You can focus on the negative and talk about how bad it is and say, we need to do something. Or you can say, I'm going to focus on the positive and I'm just going to do the thing, right? There's food shortages coming. I'm going to grow my own food. And that might not be easy this first go round. I'll tell you, my garden, you know, this time of year, it's really humid out. The temperatures have kind of come down to the 90s and, um, there's not too many more days and the the evenings have cooled. It's just, it's a much more hospitable environment for a lot of these vegetables that aren't necessarily native plants. There's plenty of native things that you can be growing on your property and eating. And I'm in Arizona, so I don't know where everyone is that's listening to this, but um, this is kind of like a second spring here. You know, it's great. The temperatures are going to be warm enough that the tomato plants can really start taking off if they, if you didn't get tomatoes earlier in the season, which I didn't, I didn't get anything. A couple eggplant, um, and they're Japanese eggplants. So they're smaller, some herbs, of course. Um, but I didn't get anything really. So now my garden is finally taking off all of those plants. I didn't give up on them. I didn't rip them out. I kept trying. I kept fertilizing because they're in raised beds where, you know, the, the fertility leaches down and drips out onto the ground below And um, I've just worked on what I can do, tried to learn along the way. And now the plants are finally taking off because it's just, it's better outside. So if I had needed to live off of my garden, uh, well, not only does, you know, you need, you need animals because you need more, the chickens. I could have not survived off of the chicken eggs either because we only had four chickens laying and now then one passed and we have two more that are about to be laying we were, you know, planning on having six and it's like, okay, well now we got to get more chickens, but (laughs) we're just waiting till we get out to our property and build the bigger coop space, which should be in the next month or so, which is great. Super exciting. Um, but it's like, I couldn't have lived off of that. Now, if we had, I don't know, 20 chickens, could we have eaten eggs three times a day? Sure. Do we need a more diverse nutrition? Yes. Are we going to get sick of eggs? Yes. (laughs) So, you know, you want to be thinking about these things and there's options like rabbits or goats or quail that you can be raising. Um, and the garden is great for herbal remedies, fresh herbs, vegetables, all of that fresh veggies and, and goodness like that. And the fiber, But you need, you know, both things going on. So depending on where you are, if you live in an HOA, you can't have chickens, most likely. 
you can have quail because they're not going to ever even know. <laughs> it's just birds in a cage. And a lot of people, I hear a lot of people talk that have the Coturnix quail and um, Coturnix, Coturnix quail. I don't know where the emphasis really is on that. Um, and they love them. You know, they have the eggs, they have the birds for meat. They're songbirds, basically. They don't take up a lot of space, but, and they, and they reproduce very rapidly. So you never have a shortage of birds and meat. Uh, rabbits are the same way. You know, you can have rabbits in an HOA because it's your yard. They're not going to know. It's not like a loud bird. Chickens are loud. They're loud. You'd hear them right now if I was in the other room, but I'm not. So, um, uh, so, you know, it's things like this to think of and get serious about because do you really want to be a pawn in their game? And also, I'll tell you, raising chickens, rabbits, quail, goats, all of these things, they're time consuming and they're full of joy. Like these animals are cute. They're funny. They make you happy. There's something to focus on. You can go sit outside in the, I mean, I can't wait until the evenings cool off a little more. And I let the chickens out in the evenings again and just sit out there and watch them and, and hang out out there. You know, you don't need the TV. You just watch your chickens run around like idiots and be hilarious. And, um, so they, they bring like a fun, like a heart factor, right? Because you love them. You have fun with them. You're giving them a good life and then you're going to allow them to feed you as well. And then, um, so sorry I'm like what where was I going with this um so you've got that part of it but then you've also got you know it's taking your energy that's where I was going with this it's taking your focus off of what's going on in the news what's going on in this podcast check listen to this email I got from blaze tv that's talking about this negative thing or that negative thing or what's going on in telegram or what's that like you don't have time for that stuff anymore because you're busy being productive and providing for your family and creating a life that's full of just meaning you know connection meaning substance because all of this staring at our phones and going on social media and staring at screens, whether it's a TV or a movie or whatever, this is not what life is. Do you really think that that's what God intended for you to sit around watching TV or playing video games or staring at social media or reading this or that or the other thing? It's all negative. No, we need rich lives full of meaning and purpose and productivity and so I really believe that pulling away from these negative things certainly don't share them with others especially if it's not like a you know I understand if it's like hey there's this petition going around or there's this and we all need to pay attention to this so that we can stand up against it or sign it or whatever you know okay I understand that yeah 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 but if it's just sharing things like this tweet that this person said that's absurd and they clearly don't know what they're talking about and it's angering or this thing that we can't do anything about like I don't know there was some person sending transgender drugs or whatever to people just mailing them out hormone I don't know whatever and everyone's up in arms about it but what are you going to do about it tell me what you are going to do about it nothing like, let's be honest, there's nothing you can do and there's nothing you are going to do about it. So why are we paying so much attention to these things? What could you do instead? I know what I could do. Pull my kids 
out of schools that are teach. I mean, it doesn't even have to be that you homeschool them. It's that you vet maybe a private school that you, you know what they believe in and you put your kid there or, um, you know, I don't know. Maybe it's, you know, most kids don't even know where food comes from now. Imagine if we had all been raised by our parents and grandparents and so on to have thriving gardens and be raising animals of our own. We would be so successful. We would have this would there would be no learning curve for us to be growing food. We'd already be doing it. We would already be set up for success. And there are plenty of people out there that like that. But I really believe that um, more and more people are turning to homesteading and gardening and and getting chickens and things like that. Now there's this whole revival, this return to the land movement, and it's beautiful and it's amazing. But imagine if we'd already known all of that stuff, right? So what if we were to teach our kids these things of value homeschooling our kids where we can teach them the things that you know they have to learn based on whatever I don't know rules are set out there but then you you get to add in the things that you actually need in life you know like gardening canning um, cooking shop class that's not even a thing that exists anymore Everyone's learning how to use these computers and stare at computers and be on screens and have laptops and have iPads and, and be on social media and use social media for networking. What about like, like actual community networking? What about creating community, interacting with people one-on-one, talking to people again, memory skills, right? Because we used to have to memorize phone numbers and addresses and we knew all of this stuff by heart. We knew every single friend's phone number by heart. And nobody knows that anymore. And I mean, you're lucky if you know your parents and your husbands, right? So what if we practice these skills and we taught these skills to the future generations and we're creating a better place, a better world? We're pulling away from all that nonsense. We're not paying attention to it. If you opt out, if every, look at, if everyone just turned their back to this negative news and all this gnarly stuff and just focused on solutions and community and problem solving what are they going to do they can't control you they can't control me so i i just want to encourage you if you've been um procrastinating any of this i don't know where you live but this is still a growing season here in arizona it's actually getting into a great growing season now the summer is the time um that you have the hardest time here and then, you know, wherever you are, you can build makeshift greenhouses that, you know, you can keep lettuces and certain things in all winter long. I mean, there's so many options. You guys never give up and settle and say, you know, it's just too hard here or I have a brown thumb or whatever. It's like, that's not even true. All this stuff is a process. It's a learning process. It's not always easy. I mean, some things are easier than others in certain climates and, you know, certain um, seed varieties, certain varieties of plants will do better. And sometimes it's a matter of like, it's the wrong variety. It's not for this climate. And you could seek out in Arizona, there's a place called Native Seeds, Native Seeds dot com or dot org. And it's in Tucson. And so that's my climate, even though I live in the Cave Creek area, um, Tucson is the same climate. And so if I order seeds from them, from their seed bank, I've got seeds that know how to perform in this climate. And that's what they, that's what they're used to. So they're going to do great here. So 
that oh, that reminds me I have some seeds from there that I need to plant you guys I got these um what are they uh chiltepine so it's a little round teeny round spicy peppers that grow in Mexico and um here in this climate and my husband loves them chiltepine I had this beautiful bush growing and a caterpillar some hornworms came killed it I mean I had some come, caught him, got him off of there. And then another one came sometime a couple weeks later when it was recovering and took the rest completely out. I was so devastated. So I got these seeds from Native Seeds. I ordered them. They take three to four weeks to germinate of constantly keeping them damp. Three to four weeks. So we were out of town. I didn't plant them yet, but now is the time. And I want to plant a bunch of these bushes so we can always harvest chiltepines and have them. And uh, they're, you know, a pepper plant is typically a perennial. It'll come back. I've had a jalapeno plant that I've had for two, maybe going on three years now. So, you know, they're kind of perennials. Tomato plants can be perennials. It really depends on your climate. But um, figure out what works for you and start taking some classes. I just bought, I've canned before, but I'm terrified of botulism. And the thing of it is, if you really know the science behind it, you don't have to fear botulism because you know that you're doing everything right. And I just didn't have that um, that information. So I just bought a canning course from, who was it? What's her name? Melissa K. Norris. She has a homesteading podcast. And I just, I listen to her. I trust her. You know, she's been canning for 30 years and she is all about the safety. So she's talking all about, you know, what, if you do this, you don't have to worry about botulism. You just don't do this thing. Don't do that. Don't try to can this. You know, there's certain things that you absolutely cannot can at home. They do it on a commercial scale because their pressure canners uh, have the capacity to get much hotter than ours do. So there's certain things you absolutely cannot can. And then there's all of this scientific based, you know, what they know where how botulism grows. Botulism grows in an anaerobic environment, which means when you suck all the air out, there's no oxygen. And when you're canning, that's what you're creating. So that's why botulism is so risky with canning. But if you've got the right acidity level with water bath canning, or if you're pressure canning and your recipes are correct, you know, there's approved recipes. It's like if you try to go, especially if you don't know, if you're just beginning, you try to get too um, crazy and make up your own recipes, you can set yourself up for disaster because it really is. I'm one of those cooks who I don't do, it's called the folk method. I take a little of this, a little of that, some of this, oh, maybe a little more of that, maybe some of this. And I do that with everything from when I'm making my lotions and um, salves and chapsticks and herbal remedies, my tinctures. I use the folk method um, when I make all of those things and when I cook. But with canning, that is recipe for disaster. And so I bought her canning course and I'm just so excited to feel confident canning because I've got a pressure canner. I've got all of the stuff that I need and I've just been so, so I, I canned all this stuff, um, last year and I did, I did open and eat one or two of the jars, but I was scared. I didn't know if I did it right. 
with the rest. I was scared. So I better safe than sorry, dumped them out. And I, that was a waste of money, of time. And I don't want to do that again. I've got all of this equipment. I'm ready to do it all. And I just need the, um, the expertise, the, to know that I'm doing it right. And then I, I don't have to worry about eating it. And so I would just really encourage you to check things like that out. MelissaKNorris.com, I believe. I don't know why I can't remember what her... I listened to her podcast. Let's see. I will just find it for you guys really quick. Because she's great. I mean, uh, Pioneering Today. That's what it's called. And um, yeah, so, you know, it's fine people that you listen to that you know... You know, if you go to look at uh, Pinterest recipes of canning, there's a lot of misinformation on there. And there's a lot of recipes passed down. You know, our grandparents didn't always do things the safest way. Now, that doesn't mean that botulism is still very rare. But I'm one of those hypochondriac people that I don't want to risk it at all because it can kill you. It's a it's a mold spore or like a, a form of food poisoning that is a neurotoxin and it starts to paralyze you. It can it can and you can't reverse it. You can stop it. They you go to the hospital if you recognize the symptoms soon enough and they give you an antitoxin, I believe it's called. And um you can stop the progression from it getting worse. And I'm, I don't know everything about it. I'm sure there are milder and more severe cases, but it's extremely, uh, dangerous. It will, and can kill you. It doesn't have to kill you. I should say that, but, um, I don't want it. Uh, no, thank you. It's just not worth it, you know, to be risking my life because I just chose to not educate myself before I started doing something. If there's a, a risk of death, I'd rather be, uh, in the know and, and just educated so that I don't have to worry about that. I mean, this is not the apocalypse. You know what I mean? <laughs> I am not just having to eat anything and hoping for the best. And, uh, I don't want to kill my family. <laughs> so, you know, play it safe, better safe than sorry. So yeah, you know, look into things like that, sign up for her canning course. And then she also provided us with a, anyone who signed up, I think it was maybe on the first day she was offering it, I'm not sure, a recipe book with all these recipes for canning, which is like, yeah, because we want the approved recipes with the safe, this most up-to-date, safe ways to can. Um, I think that over the past few years, the whole trust the science, you know, the science, we want it to be scientifically backed. It's really, science has really lost all credibility with many of us. And we're just like, well, I mean, come on. But, but really there is evidence, not evidence, but um, there's science basically, you know, how, how botulism grows and how you can kill it and not worry about it. It's very cut and dry and you just, anyway, I've been on that topic for quite a while. So, uh, but canning is great because once we do, if, even if we can't grow our own food right now, or our harvests aren't huge right now, a really great option is going to local farms, purchasing massive amounts of their vegetables and canning it because we don't know what's coming down the pipeline exactly. We don't know how bad it's going to get, but we should be prepared. Why not? And honestly, being prepared by having food stored is good not just for food shortages, but for unexpected, you know, maybe someone falls ill in your family, like the breadwinner falls ill and can't work for a while. I mean, that's a horrible scenario. We don't want to think about that, but these things happen. And what if, you know, you can still feed yourself and save money 
because you're not spending money at the store, you've got all this canned food that you canned last year that you can live off of. Or if someone gets laid off, you know, I mean, there's multiple scenarios here. It doesn't have to be massive food shortages, doomsday, blah, 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 blah. There's reasons to do this without having to be super, super extreme. But honestly, I mean, I don't know what to expect with how bad food shortages are going to get. I've heard that this fall is when we are going to start to see a shift in how much food is available on the shelves because they say, you know, we're still eating last year's grain and corn and flour and things like that. And um, this year's harvest has been almost non-existent. It's been pretty crazy. And a little tangent was that I was going to get off on earlier is we're hearing all of these stories about, you know, crop failures here, flooding here, drought here, drought everywhere, drought everywhere. And my question is, how can there be drought everywhere? Listen, we don't ever lose water. Water doesn't just leave the planet. Water is oh, this the same amount of water is on this planet as as at this planet's inception, right? There's the same amount of water. Sure, some of it's probably a lot more polluted than it once was, but there's the same amount of water. And when I hear that everywhere is in this drought, I'm skeptical because I'm in a quote drought area and Arizona has been getting a ton of rain. I was just in Tucson and it was so lush and green. Me and my husband could not stop talking about it. We were like, oh my God, it's like Hawaii here. Like this is crazy. It's gorgeous. It's crazy. We went to a mission in Tumacockery, awesome mission. And um, it was, we both felt like we were in Washington state. It felt like the Pacific Northwest because it was so overgrown and just damp. And it was exactly like you know, Portland and and Washington, it was crazy. We were like, wow, you know, they're saying that Arizona's in this horrible drought. And I understand that it's been a drought spanning, you know, decades, right? It's the desert. Is it safe to say, I, I just, I mean, I don't know. I'm not an expert in this area, but is it safe to just call it the desert instead of being like, oh, they're in a drought? And, um, I don't know. I'm just like, okay, they're saying Arizona's still in this horrible drought. And I I looked at the map and two years ago, most of the state was extreme drought. Then last year, because of the rains we got now, most of, there's only one tiny spot in an extreme drought and the rest was, you know, I don't know how they all classified it, but it was the next level down. And I'm thinking with all of the rain we've been getting now, are we still considered in a drought? Because I mean, things are lush and popping off. We've got friend in Flagstaff who says it's been raining every day. Prescott, I know people who are trying to pour concrete for their house and they can't because it's just been, it's been raining, you know, every day. I mean, I just wonder, are all these reports of droughts and flooding and all of these different, how do we know if we're not there? Because I would argue with someone that was like, Arizona's in this extreme drought. I would say, we've gotten a ton of rain this year all over the state. I've seen it with my own eyes. Like, yeah, we're probably still in what's considered a drought, whoever makes this up. But I mean, we're getting rain and a lot of it. So I, I don't know. I'm just saying, we don't know what to believe, but do we need to f- focus on the negative or just figure out how to 
be positive, make positive change, push forward, uh, do what's right for our families and, and have a good life. This is your life. If you spend years, how long have we spent focusing on all the things the globalists want to do and all the things with COVID and all these bad things happening? We've spent years focusing on it and it's not good for our health. Like this is our lives. Your life is what you make it, right? So make it something beautiful. Create a garden, grow something with your hands, care for animals and livestock, raise them, love them, learn how to make things, learn how to make some of your own clothes, how to craft, you know, how to build structures so you don't have to buy super expensive chicken coops from Tractor Supply. I mean, get a book. I've got a book called 40 Projects for Building Your Backyard Homestead and it's got the whole outline on how to build a chicken coop for yourself and and multiple other projects. I mean, get books like this, start looking, learn how to use a saw, take a class. I mean, I don't know what it is you need to do, but focus on growth and getting better at things and, and having a good time and a good life and pulling away from the negativity. That's what I've got to say today, guys. I hope you feel inspired. If you do, if you like this podcast, please share it with people. Please leave a comment. Um, you can find it on you know, your f- most places to listen to podcasts. I know Spotify and I, the iPodcast thing, the Apple Podcasts. And um, so, yeah, please share, uh, leave a comment. You know, that would be great. Really helps if people do stuff like that. And um, if you want to know where to find me, you can go to holistichomeandlifestyle.com and find out all kinds of stuff about what I do, who I am, what I offer there. And it's it's about health and it's about the home and and homesteading. So, you know, get get over there, check it out and have a wonderful, productive, happy day. All right. Bye.